change. For now, or for the longer term? Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of F1 in Review 2023. I'm Tom Claiborne and as ever I'm joined by Tristan Fancourt and Angus Gallagher. Today we look back at the Singapore Grand Prix where Ferraris, yes Ferraris, Carlos Sainz, not Red Bull's Max Verstappen, won this race after qualifying in P1. Another excellent performance and win for the Spaniard. Is this his best so far do we think? I think so. I think this is his best drive ever. And given you've you've just highlighted that uh, the Ferrari won, that of course has broken Max Verstappen's 10 race streak. So who was closest out of us all? I don't think it was me because I I, um, I said that Max Verstappen would keep winning till next year. So I'm out of that particular bet. Hmm. But go Ooh, back yeah. a couple of uh, episodes where we all highlighted who who would, uh, yeah, how long we thought Max would win. Um, who out of you two got the closest? I went for Austin, Texas. So yeah, you you were a few races away. I went for Las Vegas. So Tom was the closest on this one. Ooh. Oh, congratulations! You are the least hey. pessimistic. Yeah, almost <laughs> optimistic. It depends whether <laughs> how you want to look at it. Whether or not you're a glass half full or empty sort of person. But this was a this was a great great exercise in race strategy. I think from Carlos Sainz and also. Lando Norris as well. Honourable mention to Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc for their parts as well in aiding Science's win. And it really was an aid um, because Lando Norris didn't attack Science because he wanted to keep P2. And Charles Leclerc was sacrificed, in the words of Mercedes. They said, uh, yeah, Charles Leclerc, to confirm, Charles Leclerc is being <laughs> sacrificed by Ferrari, which was a great radio message. And uh, yeah, many images sort of came up into my mind of him being sacrificed for Science's victory. But Science had had the the forethought and the excellent thinking to drag Norris uh, forwards and forwards through the DRS zones and allow him to be a lovely barrier between uh, himself and the Mercedes of George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, who had pitted for for stronger and newer tyres towards the end. I, I don't think we can fault Science at all. Absolute, complete domination of a race weekend. And oh, thank. God, right? What a breath of fresh air in a season that has been, I think, should we say the middling low in, in excitement? But Singapore started off as a bit of a dull, you know, race, but my goodness, it ended up being fantastic. And I, I really do think at the moment, Carlos Sainz is the number one driver at Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm. Fair shout. Fair shout. Um, in terms of the race, I remember speaking to a colleague at work 
earlier in the season about one of the races where Red Bull weren't as dominant and he said it again yesterday look how good it is at the moment in Formula 1 when Red Bull are nowhere to be seen it's absolutely brilliant as seen by the race yesterday the fact that you had the top four nose to tail for large portions of the race I know sure part of that was manufactured by science's brilliant tactical nous of being able to back Norris into the Mercedes so that they would all get DRS and that he could stretch his legs at the right points. But at the same time, the race was still illuminated by the fact that there was a real close battle and by the fact that Red Bull weren't a part of it. Now, that's no disrespect to Red Bull because they've done a brilliant job with their car this year. And again, that's to be commended in terms of how dominant their design has managed to be. But it was just fantastic that 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 race at the end where you had the tactical battle, the virtual safety car. So many thanks to Esteban Ocon <laughs> for his uh, his car um, <laughs> self-combusting hmm. because that really set things up for the last few laps. And it was probably, I'd say, one of my favourite races of the year so far. Zandvoort sticks in the mind as a topsy-turvy race. I thought that as well, Australia, of course, is very dramatic and Silverstone just seems to stick in. The, Silverstone always seems to produce a good race with some good overtaking. But Singapore, I think for me, trumps a lot of them so far this year. I'd be interesting to get your guys' thoughts on where you'd rank this race this year because I think that was excellent. It's also one of the the better Singapore Grand Prix I can remember, just for the closeness of the battle. And not only at the front, you had multiple. I know you had different tire strategies and advantages from further back, but you had multiple battles and overtakes. You had nice little battles between Gasly and Piastri for sixth. You had Liam Lawson trying to hang on for dear life in the points with cars like Perez, Albon, Hulkenberg uh, breathing down his neck. I thought it was a great race. Where would you rank it this year in terms of where it is in the pecking order of great races? I think it'd be very difficult not to have it as at least a top three race of this season. And that's not because of the variety factor. I think often that inflates a race really when you see somebody else win after a streak of dominance by Verstappen and Red Bull but you're so right really it was one of those that it was a bit of a slow burner to start with it was helped out by the safety cars be that virtual or otherwise but it was an excellent race right until the end and part of me feels yes it would have been even better if there were more overtaking opportunities indeed completed overtakes uh, in the final factor of the race but to see four cars that close fighting for P1, not P2, not P3, not P4. The actual win of the race is remarkable, frankly. And it was spiced up as well by, unfortunately, George Russell's uh, late accident as well. But I think, realistically speaking, we'll get onto Mercedes later on. It was a bold move, a gamble, but one that wasn't really paying off for them. But I think this win for Signs really did echo his other win really at Silverstone last year where you saw him have to not only be excellent on track in terms of his qualifying pace and the race pace as well but also had to go and bring out his strategic knowledge his I suppose his knowledge of of racing and how to go and play his cards and he was helped as well it's fair to say by his team and obviously that is something that a team should be doing but I think it's worth saying that so many times we rightly critique Ferrari for their misdemeanors and their uh, simple mistakes this time round. I think they did a very good job, if I'm honest, for both him and for Leclerc, all things considered as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what was weird about this race is it kind of had a lot of different elements of it that, were, that sort of threw me back to past races as well. So 
it felt like um, Abu Dhabi in 2016 when Rosberg was being backed up into Sebastian Vettel by Lewis Hamilton when Lewis Hamilton desperately wanted Rosberg to be overtaken so he um, would lose the uh, Drivers' Championship and Hamilton would therefore get enough points to win. It had elements of, I feel, like Abu Dhabi 2021 when we had that sort of late uh, people breaking down, having accidents, and then a real close fight at the end with dramatic, you know, proper drama. I mean, I wasn't even on the edge of my seat. I was standing up by the end of it. And then I also had elements of Azerbaijan 2021 as well with Lewis Hamilton um, keeping the, the front brake bias in and, and locking up and going off just like George Russell did. Um, well, apart from Russell hit the wall and, and kept going. And, but I had th- those elements, those real spicy elements. It's around everything crammed into one. Um, in a really short period of time as well. That was that was the other thing. It just it sort of like flicked between, oh well, are we gonna watch the whole thing? Do we need to watch the whole race to oh my god, how are we not what you know, how is this still going on? This is nuts. I was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think it really shows that science could keep calm and cool under pressure as well. Because many other drivers would have succumbed, and I'm not saying that you know against uh, someone like George Russell who who made a mistake, but it, it it's those those glorious moments, those those sort of defining elements and of of a race that really make you stop and think, wow, that that's brilliant, that's that's great, wow, well done, and I think I feel like. We haven't had that for, for a while. And you're right, it did kind of remind me of Silverstone as well in, in Science's last win. But if you remember Science's last win, there were, he had that same sort of pressure when we had sort of four cars into one with people like Lewis Hamilton catching up and trying to get past as well. So he seems to be the smooth operator, being able to, to counter the pressure behind him and able to keep going and, and play the smart moves, which is absolutely fantastic and i i genuinely think that science is going to stay at ferrari longer than perhaps others have predicted because what he demonstrated um this weekend was he's able to rescue ferrari from a a season that has been very very disappointing if ferrari hadn't won even a single race i i think they would have been you know sparks been flying again in ferrari's internal management system and and again heads may may have rolled but i think science has sort of rescued them from that internal bickering because by by showing they can win it prevents them from yet again tearing themselves into tiny little pieces and trying to you know pick it up and uh uh, for next year so yeah i I feel like science has really dug ferrari out of a ditch and um to the tofosi who i think were very disappointed i think they can just breathe a little sigh of relief because even if no one else gets a win this season, if Red Bull completely dominate it, at least they can turn around and say, well, we were the ones that broke that streak. Mm-hmm. And off the back of that, do you think any other team driver, aside from those who have already won a race, will win a race themselves? Because I think it's quite up in the air at the moment, isn't it? Interesting point, but if we're talking the rest of the season, I am I inclined to think this is a one-off this race? I, I don't want to say yes, but I feel like the unusual characteristics of the Singapore track compared to the rest of the calendar meant that like this is kind of not going to be the norm. I know that it's the second race in a row we've seen a Ferrari on pole position, but as we saw in Monza, 
when the Red Bulls were starting higher up, their red uh, race pace was just too much for Ferrari. In this race, you had in Singapore a track where the walls are tighter, overtaking is more challenging, and as a result, the Ferraris, this case, science could stay ahead more easily, especially when the Red Bulls were outside the top ten completely. I think that if Red Bull had maybe not gambled on that strategy, so keeping out the two drivers during that safety car period towards the start for the crash of Logan Sargent, they might have been able to get a better result. But I think that, yeah, to go back to my original point, in the future races, the pace of the Red Bull will become clear again. I can still see Red Bull winning seven out of the final seven races. And I think that we should appreciate this moment as it is because somebody else won a race and that was quite nice and Carlos Sainz to be that person like we said is a great drive from him those rumours about him going to Audi in the future those seem to have quietened down don't they he's had a very uh, strong return from the summer break three results in the top five two poles and then probably the one of the tactical masterclasses of recent years this weekend <laughs> So you don't see Mercedes then winning a race to have their day in the sun, maybe? No, I, I don't, just because I think that Red Bull will come roaring back. I think that the track's left suit their... Uh, the track in Singapore was an anomaly because of its street circuit nature. The only one that could be called similar in the remaining races is maybe Las Vegas, but then that's a complete unknown for everyone. I just think the Red Bull car is... We we can't forget has been at this point the most dominant car in F one history, winning fourteen races out of fourteen this season, and winning what like sixteen seventeen dating back to the end of the last season. So having the longest winning streak in history, I don't think we can overlook that. And it was brilliant this weekend having science win, but I just don't think that I don't see how it won't go back to Red Bull being in charge again next weekend. If I'm honest. If I if you remember the beginning of the season or, or earlier in the season, I think I think we said that the best chance was going to be somewhere like Monaco for another uh, another uh, um, another team winning, and that's because a track like Monaco, once you get in front, it's very easy to stay there because you you basically have a, a blockade. You are, your car is the blockade, and and you can't really fit two cars side by side. Now Singapore is, as I, I think I described it last week, and I stand by this as sort of like Saudi Arabia slash Azerbaijan meets Monaco, and it has the same sort of problem. As as long as you you've got the traction in the um, key accelerating points in in Singapore, you can basically just stay ahead because it's a it's a pretty tight track. It's a very tight track actually, but unlike Monaco, you can actually overtake, as was evidenced this weekend. Um, and so I think as soon as Red Bull fell back. They knew it was going to be a really hard time to to um, pick up the pieces and, and get that magical um, comeback and, and a win. And the other thing to mention about Singapore is not only is the track difficult, but the tractors did not favour the Red Bull setup. And I think that's partly why Aston Martin had the same issues and they particularly struggled as well. And as, as I think it's because they both have the same kind of design ethos and you know, we know we will never know exactly what Red Bull struggled to get quite right because that would be giving out key aerodynamic secrets and, and data. But what we do know is throughout the whole weekend, Max was 
oversteering in free practice and then go and change it and then suddenly he'd be understeering and then he'd be basically drifting around he described it as driving on ice so whatever in singapore maybe it was the the very slidey sticky damp texture that the track has because of the humidity whatever reason he couldn't couldn't get the track uh, the traction down he couldn't get the stability and then as soon as he's behind just like a monaco he can't really get ahead again so i think what we saw was kind of monaco 2.0 when aston martin nearly won against red bull but this time there was a team ready with the you know the strategic foresight to and the qualifying pace to to get in front of Miss, um get in front of red bull in the first place so unless that all comes together again i i can't see red bull losing uh japan i think next week is going to be again another red bull domination i'm sorry i think it's just going to be like that now angus you point out las vegas and i agree that could be an anomaly it depends how wide the track is it depends how good the track is as well because you can have a wide track that is just unbelievably difficult to overtake at um because it's just you know one of those things where the corners aren't right then unless you can beat someone on the um, straights, then you're just going to be stuck behind. So yeah, Red Red Bull, I think, is going to be flying again, as far and we all should prepare ourselves for the Dutch national anthem to return to our uh, screens next week. And I think as well that you look at Sainz's win, you look at Ferrari's win here, and it's made even better by how, well, for want of a better phrase, underwhelming and awful Mercedes and Red Bull were here by going on two different strategies. You went for Mercedes going for the let's sack off track position, get the fresher tyres in and have a go at them for the last 10 to 15 laps. Meanwhile, compare that to Red Bull who went for track position on steroids, decided to ideally never pit their drivers until their tyres literally uh, were able to explode. And I think you saw there that there's no easy answers, there's no easy way out of Singapore really. It is not only a battle for the uh, strategists, if you will, but also for the drivers as in so far as it's very demanding upon themselves, be that physically, mentally, etc. So I think looking at that as well also hammers home how Ferrari have perhaps come on a bit better than previously because I think if we'd have seen a Ferrari of a season or two seasons ago be put in this very position, you'd have seen a scenario where they'd have struggled to go and decide which driver they were going to back, for want of a better phrase, which driver they wanted to win that race and perhaps would have um, perhaps left themselves open to a McLaren, a Mercedes or somebody further back. But I think there's reasons to be optimistic for Ferrari, especially when we see how other teams fared as well. Would you say, Tom, that this weekend... Uh, symbolized Ferrari's own change in uh, perspective when it comes to the the drivers in that they were willing to sacrifice Leclerc for Sainz. Uh, yeah, I would, because I think that when Sainz was brought in and Leclerc was given that huge contract, it was quite clear that while it wasn't spelt out to everybody, Sainz was the second driver and Leclerc was the next big thing. I think that Sainz this season, previously as well, has really shown his worth to the team and shown that he's not just a a stopgap, for want of a better phrase. I do think that he was brought in perhaps like Mercedes brought Bottas in to a point of, well, he's done well with a good team and he'll be good for now until somebody else comes along and a uh, uh, younger talent, a uh, fresher talent, a more uh, prodigy type will come in to go and steer the, the ship forwards along with Leclerc. But I think that this race, the race before that at Monza as well, 
and his more recent form has perhaps shown that they're more equal because I understand the prior points made about Leclerc, the pressure's on him, he's got to go and get the best out of his car, but we're seeing a lot more mistakes, be that terminal or minor mistakes from him, than we are from Sainz, and I appreciate that Sainz perhaps isn't... Uh, able to have the, the quality ceiling, if you will, that Leclerc will have, in my view. But I think he's surprising a few and um, he's getting the recognition now that he deserves because he wasn't really the flavour of the month for Toro Rosso, for Renault. He was only at McLaren where he was given a, a strong chance to go and prove himself. And he's pretty much at every turn, be that with McLaren or Ferrari, proven why he should be at that team and why he deserves a, a seat at the top table. So credit to him. Do you, do you agree with that at all or do you think the hierarchy remains? In terms of the with science and the hierarchy at Ferrari, yeah, I mean, he's I you I, I like the phrase you use there, Tom, the flavor of the month, and how he's yeah at all his different teams, he's never really been the person who is more favored. Like Verstappen got all the attention at Toro Rosso, Hulkenberg outdid him at Renault, Norris got the attention at McLaren a lot of the time, but he still put himself forward. And then Leclerc is supposed to be the golden boy of Ferrari, but Science is yeah, his, his performances since the summer window have been been much better. Does that make him a number one driver? Not necessarily. Um but I think that he's definitely put himself on a stronger footing when it comes to contract negotiations, because his contract right runs out at the end of two thousand twenty four. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's um, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like it's that time where he'll be looking around. Would he be scouted by one of the top teams? or one of the other top teams, I should say. I wouldn't necessarily think so, because he couldn't go to Red Bull, because they, him and Verstappen didn't get didn't get along well as teammates back in the day. Mercedes, they've got their two drivers tied down. Aston Martin, Alonso's there, and Stroll's there till the day the planet ceases to exist. Who else? McLaren, they've got their two... Norris and Piastri, you can't see that changing. So Ferrari's his best option right now. I think he's just to make the most of that, and... What he can do is always just prove himself by keeping on working and putting in performance. If he puts in performances like he did at this weekend, that hierarchy might soon change. Excellent save, Angus. Uh, nearly calling Ferrari not a top team. Which is, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other top teams, yeah. Just angered <laughs> a large swathe of the, of the fan uh, fans out there. Yeah. Our, our, our Italian audience just drops to zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh well, uh, yeah, I, I think Tom, I, I agree. I mean, it's partly re- the reason I posed the question, so I could have a little echo chamber of my own, my own really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think science has, has basically broken down the barriers now, and and clearly, clearly shown again that he's able to to take the the bull by the horns and get Ferrari back up and kicking, even if it's temporarily. Uh, and you can't say better than that because it's all about opportunities. Leclerc didn't take full opportunity, you know, of the of the of the weekend. Science did, and science has done that now a couple of times. And so I I really do think we can um, we can say that this year, especially especially after the summer break, science has kicked himself up to the next gear. Uh, he nearly did it in Monza, and he has done it in Singapore. And so if if you'd like, I think the uh, the uh, the the mistake in Japan where they they put up science's um, poster and number against both Ferrari garages perhaps was like hmm. a the crowning symbol in that all eyes are on Carlos Sainz at the moment of Ferrari and perhaps Leclerc 
has actually dropped back into the shadows, which I don't think is something any of us thought we were going to be saying at the beginning of the year, last year, or especially the no. year before that. Definitely. And I think the conversation's now turning away from Signs is lucky to be at Ferrari to Ferrari are lucky to have Signs because, as you say, he's able to go and scoop out some good performances there in consecutive races against what is a very, very difficult team in Red Bull and in equally, it's fair to say, when it comes to Mercedes. So credit to him there. We can't not talk about Mercedes, of course. They left this one with just a P3 to their name, despite qualifying in P2 and P5. A DNF has mentioned there for George Russell after both those Mercedes pitted on lap 45 for the mediums. I've mentioned it was a gamble. It's one that didn't pay off. But what are our thoughts there on Mercedes rolling the dice and going for the win, really? They're in an unusual position, weren't they? They're used to being the aggressor, the leader, the dominant force. But once again in a race in the last two or so years, they've had to be the ones who take the gamble. And you know what? I respected it massively. I massively respected it. They are in what? Was it second and fourth? Am I right in uh, saying that? Fifth. Russell, yeah, second and fifth in qualifying. And then at the time of the mm-hmm. safety car, with the virtual safety car, they were second and fourth, I think. Yep. Yeah. And they both, yeah, they both pitted, which left two Ferraris and a McLaren in front. And I massively respect them pitting because they sacrificed, especially in the case of Russell, they sacrificed a podium, ignore the fact he crashed out because that would have sacrificed a lot more. But without that crash, he sacrificed a podium anyhow. And they've gone for the gamble. They've gone, right, we're going to try and win this race. They perhaps think, alluding to my earlier point, that that might be one of the early only opportunities they would have got to have won a race this year. So I rate what they did in the end with that. Did it pay off? No, it didn't. Not quite, but you know what? You've got to try these things sometimes. I think they're in a position where they actually they will get at least third in the Constructors' Championship. Obviously, Ferrari have closed in in this race especially, but they will still get third, uh, at least third. They, they are nothing wrong with taking the little gamble to try and see what can be made of it. So I massively respected what they did. Big shame for Russell. I think he's having a bit of an off year, personally. I th- don't think that's too unfair to say. Hamilton stepped it up compared to last year. Russell's been decent, but he hasn't got any pole positions or wins to show for it. Hamilton has that one pole position back in Hungary. But in terms of the short term, just that one race, I respected what Mercedes did. They went for it, and it would have been easy for them to play the safe option and try and get those points, but they wanted win. They haven't experienced... They've, they've only experienced that feeling of winning once since Saudi Arabia 2021. If you told me that it's after Saudi Arabia 2021 that uh, Mercedes would win only one of the next 38 races since then, I think it is, I'd have laughed at you. But it's the, the fact of the matter, it's the way they are at the moment. So I respect them for going for the win because they wanted that winning feeling and it almost paid off it almost paid off but for brilliant driving from science it's very difficult isn't it because i'm on the george russell topic and he's received a lot of hate i think on on um various social media platforms uh other weekend i saw and especially after his mistake and i feel like it's been a bit undeserved actually uh, there was a lot of this nonsense about oh well he's a poor driver because you know he, he made the mistake and uh threw away that 
that position of third place and oh he could have could have had so much better and you never see anyone else making that mistake blah 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 blah. of course they have very short memories those people because uh this hamilton made the mistake in azerbaijan 2021 mm-hmm. we there is countless mistakes max verstappen has made over his years at one point i think 2017 people wondering whether or not he's going to be kept in red bull with the amount of crashes he had um i don't know for some reason people really don't like george russell i think it's because he kind of has that that snooty british vibe about him i mean to, to us i think it's, he sounds like a normal bloke um to me but maybe he doesn't have the best international image but you know whatever um i think i agree with angus though on the, on the wider point of mercedes making the right call because it very nearly paid off don't forget that george russell for a moment actually did overtake lando norris and only lost out on the the traction of and from you know sliding around a bit and so they was pretty much on the edge it was it's as close to 50-50 as i've i've seen in a long time i i cannot think of another race where a strategy has been that close to to not um to, to between the the lead and you know, second or third place um i can think of like other opportunities for example, Bottas overtaking Stroll for third um, back in Azerbaijan and times like that, um, a long you know a long while back uh, on on the last lap and things like that. But but this was a, this was incredibly tight, very very close, and it gave us an immense race as well. So I, yeah, I, I think I think Mercedes made the right choice. Their choice was either sit behind a Ferrari like a lame duck, or give it their best shot, pressure science into a mistake, and get both both drivers, I think, in effect, to the top steps of the podium. Now, yeah, it didn't pay off. It's very easy to say in hindsight, but jolly good show, I think, really. Thank you for thank Mercedes <laughs> for, you know, doing that. And I think if they went back, they would have made the, the same choice again. And I think that's what really shows you the good strategy. It, you don't walk away going, well, you know, we messed that up. I think Mercedes walked away thinking, wow, we really shook Ferrari then and we very nearly made that work. And so, yeah, they didn't really lose anything because whilst yes they they you know sacrificed a position and and let the McLaren of Lando Norris into second in reality they still had Hamilton in the end in third and i think really that's where Hamilton was was most likely to end up anyway so mm-hmm. i don't think they really lost out apart from of course George Russell following Lando Norris's line and both him and the McLaren hit the wall. It was it's such a bizarre mm. thing in Formula One, isn't it? How how you can have two very very similar collisions, and yet one is just monumentally more dramatic than the other. Lando Norris got away with it. George Russell taking the slightly wider line in order to try and get better traction, obviously hit the barrier slightly harder and ended up into the wall. So on the last lap as well, it was heartbreaking. George, we- do you remember George Webber's scream of Azerbaijan? That came back into yes. my head uh, when that happened. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think Mercedes can be pretty proud of that. Again, I think I think this race really demonstrated how you can have many different schools of thought and they can all be kind of correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this race for Mercedes just shows how important finer margins are when it comes to where you finish and how you look upon, really, because in my view, if they'd have pitted their two cars, or indeed one of their cars earlier, and given them more laps to go and have a go at the McLaren of Norris and also Sainz as well, we could be talking about a different story. If Russell had have not had that incident, we'd be talking about a different story as well. So I think they very nearly 
got what they wanted and very nearly showed vast improvements and stole a victory or indeed two podiums uh, when they had no right to do so to a point. And I think previously when Mercedes have been in their rougher form, shall we say, post Abu Dhabi, post regulation change, they've been accused of being a bit unambitious, of a bit safe, of let's just go and get some some podiums under our belt, let's just make sure we keep track position and that's absolutely fine. Here you saw the reversal of that, you saw them really going for it like they did in old Red, and you can't really deter or indeed critique somebody for doing that too much. The only thing I say about that is really it should have been done perhaps uh, of course, with hindsight, should have been done slightly earlier because they did give their drivers a lot to do, really, on a on a track where position is king. So I think, as I say, if things had been slightly different, we'd have been talking about Mercedes a lot higher up in our podcast and indeed more positively as well. And for them, it's kind of at this stage where until they get to the point where they get back to having regular victories or more regular victories... They'll just need to take any opportunity they can get. They might almost need to look at the rest of this season and go, well, forget the battle for second or third. Let's try and get that winning feeling back so that when it comes to leading into next season, they can start on the front foot and be like, right, we won these races last year. Confidence is higher. Let's focus on the car and where we can improve it. And then when you come to those situations where you need to try and grab the ball by the horns literally, in the case of Red Bull, and try and get that victory, you need to be ready for it. Think to I think of Ferrari last year when they won those couple of races at the start of the year, but as the year went on, you could tell they had, you could call it like win rustiness. They had been through such a long period where they hadn't really won much that when they needed to take opportunities to win, they just didn't have that winning feeling enough to know how to grasp it, if that makes sense. So Mercedes need to, I reckon, try and go for some victories where possible when they get opportunities to try and get that, almost that confidence back and inject it into them so that they can then take that positive momentum forward and hopefully look towards a stronger 2024. And what do we make of Mercedes insofar as how they handle their drivers? Because I think previously between Russell and Hamilton, it's been very, very sweet and it wasn't sour this weekend. But I think we saw one or two sort of sparks of, uh, let's say, confrontation, conflict maybe in terms of position, speed and the like. Do you do you agree or think I'm going a bit farther? I think you're a bit farther, actually. I, I don't I don't agree. I think that like, if you take the race beginning... Um, Hamilton was very late on the brakes um, and he was under control. I, I don't quite agree with Norris's radio message, um, but he had to go and leave the track because if he turned in, there was a, a George Russell already there. And so he, for example, overtook George and uh, Norris off the track and then gave those positions back. I think George was right to say, look, is he giving me them back? Because the thing thing is, what, what you got to remember with those sort of messages is the team has to give the position back without compromising Hamilton and without compromising George. So I I, I wouldn't read too much into that. And I think also as as um as we went on, and and especially towards the end of the race, I think it was very it was quite key that you didn't really hear um Hamilton apart from the one message trying to get past George. I think they were pretty clear to both drivers that that in fighting each other, they would only lose the overall battle um, and they mm. would lose the war, should we say. So I think I think Hamilton was right trying to ask 
whether or not George would go faster, especially with Singapore being a track where you kind of hang on to your tyres for as long as you can. And I think the team was pretty clear in in making sure that George had the track position, wasn't being you know defensive against Hamilton so that they could both try and, and win. So, no, I think the team dynamic was pretty good. Um, it has been, I think, at times a little bit fractious. And we know that Mercedes can be biased towards one driver and they are very quick to be like for example to um you know Bottas and Hamilton they'd be very quick to be like oh Bottas yeah yeah we're fighting we're fighting um so you know Hamilton's behind you he can he's gonna fight you but if Bottas was behind Hamilton they'd be like no 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 we're keeping position mate you you can stay there it's fine whereas I think George has has sort of pushed that a little bit more and I think it's always race dependent and I think overall this this weekend, Mercedes were right to keep George in the fr- in the lead. In the end, it didn't matter, did it? <laughs> which is a bit weird. No, so, no. yeah, I, I would say it's absolutely fine. Which is which is nice, really, because we don't want a repetition of the Hamilton versus Rosberg era. No, but then I reckon you only get that repetition if the stakes go up, and I don't think you get. You're not going to get too much fight and fisticuffs when you're fighting for fourth place like that's not what they're not what they pay the big bucks for but um yeah if they get if they manage to imagine a scenario where hamilton goes for his eighth title in 2025 his final year in formula one but the man standing in his way is his younger nemesis of a teammate imagine <laughs> the fireworks that could prevail there but first they have to get there they have to get there oh you're making me salivate with excitement that's a that's a wonderful <laughs> thought, isn't it? But it's quite the finale. <laughs> yeah, throw Max Verstappen in there as well. Three way fight <laughs> to the end. Oh, that'd be yeah. that'd be dramatic. Carlos Sainz bringing up the rear as well to Fosi's excitement. Um, well, we can only dream for four a four four way fight for the beginning for uh, the world championship. Oh, uh, uh, amazing! God, that'd be years. The question the is. The question is, he's going to be the Latifi, if you will, to go and be Kingmaker. Uh, <laughs> um, plot twist. It's, plot twist. It'll be it'll be Valtteri Bottas in his final F1 race. Oh, oh I couldn't write it. Shafting, shafting Hamilton. You think so? I think supporting Hamilton. I think you know, purposely hitting the barriers, um, you know, punting off, punting off Russell, and then uh, put or, <laughs> signs or convene. Or conveniently not letting Russell through um, with a blue flag, something like that. Yeah, but I think what's weird about this season, I think we know he said um, he's been the Mercedes being rusty. Right, I think that's a really good way of putting it, and I think they have got a bit rusty because they haven't been in the position where they haven't had a completely dominant car since. Mm. Go all the way back to Rosberg and Michael Schumacher, and that period of Mercedes once they. You know, they'd returned back into the sport, taking over um, from Braun F1. Uh, and I think they've kind of forgotten what it is to develop a car. And so uh, that that has left them, I think, in the in the dildums a bit this, this season. But they've said that they're going to be taking a different design approach for next year and going forward. So I do wonder whether or not this sort of, final period of the no pods car which it still kind of is because they haven't been able to re-engineer their entire chassis the survival cell and the other underpinnings of the car yet but i feel like once they go towards the red bull design i feel like they will have thrown off the shackles of that rustiness and they'll return back to form because mercedes seems 
to pull out the blinders when they're at the sort of the top, as illustrated by this weekend when they pulled out a blinder of a strategy and nearly completely, you know, dampened the mood of the Ferrari by almost securing themselves a one-two in a track that we all thought they were perhaps not necessarily going to be able to do very well at. It's crazy how minds can be changed by the recent past and recent memories because I think when it comes to Mercedes, because they've failed really to get their head fully around the new regulations and to go and translate that into a a race-winning car on a regular basis, I think Singh's believing in my view because you've got to have Red Bull at the very top of the game again, Ferrari seemingly going in the right direction but strong nonetheless this season being a good example. They've sometimes not been at the races but have the ability as we've seen in the last weekend to go and win a race. But Mercedes, if I could sort of describe them in one word, it'd be potential. They're nearly, aren't they? They're, oh, the driver pairing, that's a good one. There's some potential there. Oh, you know, Toto Wolf and the team, that looks good. Qualifying, oh, that's a lot of potential. And it doesn't translate. So I think, really, despite their years of dominance, for me personally, Mercedes have got it all to prove if they want to be that dominant team again, in my view. And now we look forwards to the Japanese Grand Prix. We've got to, of course, touch a bit on Red Bull to start with, though. It was... Uh, an unusual performance by their high standards, Verstappen finishing in P5, Perez in P8, but one Red Bull driver who did very well exceeded expectations, unless Liam Lawson in P9, scoring his first ever Formula 1 points in the third time of asking. What can we expect from him, Red Bull, everybody involved really, Sonoda and co, when it comes to uh, the next Grand Prix being the Japanese Grand Prix, because we understand that Ricardo may not make that still. Yeah, exactly. Weird, right? Um, Alpha Tauri certainly is going to be sport for choice. And um, it was really interesting in qualifying that Liam Lawson was able to bump out Max Verstappen. God, mm. that was a real throwing down the gauntlet moment, wasn't it? Not only did Lawson overtook um, Max in the Netherlands, granted it was to um, sort of overtake him, so unlap himself, but it was still an overtake nonetheless, and then bumps him out of uh of key two god absolutely nuts mm. crazy so yeah he he's definitely demonstrated his pace and um it's really sweet afterwards to see max congratulating lawson on on that feat because yeah it's no easy feat and i think max max knows what it's like to be an up-and-coming rookie so that was quite nice as well that there wasn't you know, any hard feelings not that there should be anyway but it was, yeah excellent stuff but i think that we could all be prepared we should all be prepared that it's going to go back to normal in Japan. My prediction for this weekend is Red Bull's going to be right back on it. They were last year in Japan and there's no reason they shouldn't be. Bear in mind as well that that this was Singapore and Max Verstappen finished in fifth place. At one point, thanks to their poor strategy, they were down in 18th place, the Red Bulls, and they brought themselves all the way back up again. A track that it's not very easy to overtake. Max really came to life in the last sort of few a um, few laps um, and yeah he had a bit of luck as well because Russell crashing out meant he got P- P5 in the end but that's that I was like oh hold on a minute Max is up at P5 no bad Max you're back you know, you're back at the pack what are you doing there so I think certainly when we go towards Japan we need to be prepared for uh, this celebration and this little break shall we say in the middle of the season uh, towards the end I guess now it is but um, to be very much over and Max is going to be back with absolute force to prove that he has not gone anywhere. So expect a 30 second 
delta between himself and whichever poor sod is trying to chase him in second in Japan. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, I'm thinking he's going to win by 17 seconds in this race. Japan coming up, very specific, I know, but yeah, it has all the hallmarks of him just absolutely coming back and destroying the field. Hamilton used to do this for fun. He'd have a, he'd have a stinker of a race in the next race. It would be like he'd never been away. Like he would just utterly obliterate everybody. And I think that the Japan track Suzuka will suit the characteristics of the car more. It's a classic, more sort of standard, purpose-built circuit. Variety of corners, but it's it's more fast in nature. I think McLaren could suit it more. It has similarities to Silverstone. I think how Silverstone was like the start of their, or the, near the start of their resurgence. And I remember them being particularly strong at Silverstone out of all, all the races they've been good at. So I'm backing McLaren's do well. I think Ferrari as well. I back them to continue sort of a strong, reasonably strong run of form. Science looks in good form. But I'm saying that Verstappen is going to win this one by 17 seconds. Specific prediction. I only have one other to add, one other thought to add on that Red Bull situation. A simple sentence. Get Liam Lawson in that Alpha Tauri seat. Yeah, ASAP. Boy. Who's he replacing? Ricardo, obviously. I'm interesting. Yep. So you, you, you support Sonoda. I, th- I, th- I think that Sonoda has done just enough. I don't think you can bank on Ricardo. Because of course he's broken. I'm not saying that because he's broken his wrist, he's going his career's done. But like, Lawson is the future. He's more of a prospect. Lawson mm. will, I think, give Lawson two years in that Tor- that Torosso. Give him two years in that Alpha Tauri, and he replaces Perez in the Red Bull oh, 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 in 2026 oh, or even 2025. You said the same about Nick De Vries. <laughs> I remind you, Angus. You said yes, Nick De Vries is coming uh, for Perez, and I did. And 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 that's fair enough because Nick De Vries came in, he scored a ninth place, and was and impressed a lot of people. And what did Nick De Vries do next? He went to Alpha Tauri. Now I saw this. Um, I've seen a story today linking Liam Lawson with the currently. It's not necessarily vacant. Well, it depends who you talk to. The current seat at Williams because mm. Logan, Logan Sargent is looking a bit precarious. Alex Albon, we know, will be there as he leads the Williams, what they hope is the charge, up to the midfield area, away from the sort of where they are now, in seventh up to like fifth and sixth. Could Liam Lawson to Williams happen? Discuss. I think there's a possibility, you know, just because Williams have shown openness to loan drive. It would be a loan because he's a Red Bull driver, but Alex Albon's loan from uh, Red Bull as well. Piastri was touted to go there on loan from Alpine before that whole psychodrama happened mm-hmm. in the courts this time last year. Liam Lawson to Williams? I think he's he's done enough to... It's three races, but he's he's done very good for someone who's had to jump in so quick. He's been very impressive. Without being harsh to Logan Sargent, I think we can already see that Lawson replacing him would be an improvement because I think that Lawson's already uh, shown his quality that he can go and score points consistently in a difficult scenario as well. And I think that when it comes to Sargent, he's slowly morphing into a pay driver Latifi-esque model, where he's good to have about for dependability to a point and also for the sources of income. But when you're talking about racing drivers to win points to get you higher in the constructors, he falls quite far down my list, honestly. I I think it's I think it's going to be tricky because in my my world I I think that Liam Lawson has 
proven himself in a way that perhaps Nick DeVries didn't. Nick DeVries was lucky in the Williams to be in Monza, and he even admits that. And, and that actually was a suitable track for the Williams of last year. And there was not very many suitable tracks for the Williams of last year. Um, and so I think if I was him, I'd be looking around at the moment and thinking, right, well, Alpha Tauri's on the cusp of announcing Ricardo and DeVries for next year. Where am I going to go instead? And and looking up and down the field, there's not much there apart from Logan Sargent's seat. And look, if 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 Alpha Tauri can poach Nick DeVries from Williams, then Williams should be able to poach Liam Lawson from Alpha Tauri. And even if that's a one year contract, right, to, to go there and stay within the Red Bull bubble, that's still a thing that can happen. Alex Albon is still affiliated to Red Bull in Williams. It'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it, that that two um, Red Bull sort of seats have ended up with Williams. But it's worked brilliantly for Alex Albon. And I think it would be really interesting to see Williams with two drivers that have been properly proved. Liam, Logan Sargent, I think, is an uninteresting choice now, which is annoying because I was very excited for him to get into the sport and get get that seat. But he, he has consistently been behind where he should be. And this is very cutthroat. It is very cutthroat. And look, I, I want Williams to do well, which means sacrificing and cutting off perhaps the, 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 the things that are holding them back. And if you're Williams now, well, yeah, Logan Sargent's holding them back. They, they are under threat from Haas. Haas had the opportunity for big points this weekend and they came away with only one, which was a bit of bad luck, but also thanks to the fact that Haas decides to eat its tyres like crazy. But Haas is still a threat and they need, Williams needs two solid drivers. So yeah, in my perfect world, unfortunately, Logan Sargent would be demoted back to test driver for Williams and Liam Lawson would be loaned out to Williams for a year. Ricardo stays in AlphaTauri, Sonoda stays in AlphaTauri, and everyone's a winner. And I think that's best for the fans as well. Not a bad solution. As we draw to a close, though, for my bold prediction for Japan, I think that AlphaTauri, indeed Liam Lawson, will score points again this weekend. When you look at how well AlphaTauri have done at Power Circuits, Belgium, for example, getting close at Monza, Azerbaijan as well. They've got history of doing rather well at circuits where there's many a straight where they have to go and manage that to their advantage. So I think that, yeah, Lawson will do it. But Sonoda, don't discount him either on uh, his home circuit, of course. And on that bombshell, once again, it seems we end episode 29 of F1 in Review 2023. Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end of this one, be that on your preferred podcast provider or indeed elsewhere. A reminder, you can follow us on X, formerly Twitter and TikTok, our handle being F1 in Review. And we will be back to go and discuss all the fallout from that Japanese Grand Prix to come. An early one if you're watching and listening or indeed observing in the UK. Qualifying Saturday starts at 7am and then unfortunately even early on the Sunday for the race 6am if you're watching, listening or observing in the UK. And as I say, we'll be back to go and discuss all of this Grand Prix, all of the, I suppose, politics, transfers and rumours to come from it, what this all means and a whole lot more. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week.